Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. And welcome to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and today I'm delighted to share the airwaves with this week's co-host, radio host extraordinaire, Sandra Beck. Hello, Sandra. Oh, I like that, radio extraordinaire. Anytime I can be extraordinary, (laughs) I'll take it. Well, you know what? I think today's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, my gosh. Ladies, we have you covered from top to bottom. And from the girls, uh, quote unquote, to your vajiji, we're going to talk about stuff and nothing's taboo. So, you know, we're going to maybe even use correct terminology. <laughs> well, I gotta, we've got to do correct terminology because in Southern California, we call them vajayjays. And yeah. you call them vajijis. Vajijis. Well, vajayjay, vajiji, you know, Canada, U.S. <laughs> <laughs> It's in the nether regions. Anyway, but I I, I do have something important to tell everybody today. Sandra, do you know what invention has saved more lives than anything? The tampon? The toilet. Oh, the toilet. Okay. No other invention. Yeah, in human history has saved more lives than the toilet. And today is World Toilet Day. And if you've been listening to this show for the past few weeks, you know that every Frankincense show is aligned with one of the initiatives of the Global Goals. And today is no different. We are going with Global Goal number three, good health and well-being. And while today's show is going to focus on women's health, um, I know that we will be speaking about hygiene and bath- and best practices in the bathroom with, with Missy Lavender when she gets on with us. And so World Toilet Day is really important. Pardon? Oh, I guess she's got her there. I don't know. Um, you know, World Toilet Day is very important uh, because no, no. it raises uh, awareness no. about people who do not have access to a toilet and the urgent need that they have for sanitation uh, is, a, is a real crisis. And unfortunately, the, you know, the people that it really affects the most is children and children under the age of five are at the most risk of fatality. So it's really very sad. And I'm hoping that you all can go to pompeii.org today and have a look around and see how, how you might help. So there we go. Uh, and if you have a toilet, the queen of public, you know, pelvic health, <laughs> Missy Lavender is going to join us. Uh, and she's going to tell us about the proper way to wipe ourselves. You know, do you know the proper way to wipe yourself? I hope I'm so. not even going to answer that. I don't I even sure know because so. I read her book below your belt um, <laughs> and I learned stuff. And, you know, I've been walking this planet for over 40 years and I'm like, wow, I had no idea there was so much going on down there. Isn't that something? Well, Missy Lavender, she's the founder and executive director of the Women's Health Foundation, a nonprofit organization. She is, as Sandra just mentioned, author of Below Your Belt, How to Be the Queen of Your Pelvic Health Region. And also joining us later today is Joanna Forrest, and she is an exquisite soprano from the UK, a breast cancer survivor and the ambassador of the Bubettes, and a key supporter of Copperfield. I love that name, Copperfield. So, you know, I said, we're going to take you from top to bottom. And Sandra... Where did you learn about your body? Well, you said you didn't really know too much, but where did you learn about your body from? Did your mom sit you down? Was it in health class? Like, did some no, guys tell it you was, stuff? No, it was worse. We went to church, um, and we all had to sit there together in the pews, and the priest came out, and we watched a video about 
that area. And uh-huh. the one thing I will say is he didn't say anything negative or pejorative or insulting or demeaning that I remember. And I sat there with my mom. We were all there with our moms watching this video. And then there was a question and answer discussion period of which <laughs> no one said anything. You know, it's like you're you afraid know, to praying. talk. Yeah, praying sounded louder at that point. Um, oh, my gosh. But, yeah, that was it. And then I would ask my sister questions. And that was brutal because she, would, she wouldn't um, – she wouldn't – minimize anything you know it was it was you know a little bit more of the horrific like oh my god you're gonna bleed like a stuck pig oh no oh yes yeah. no. <laughs> so, <laughs> so fear fear took over fear you know took- and it, it was interesting because it, we weren't afraid to talk about our breasts i mean girls young girls are fixated and we couldn't wait to go get our first bra and you know i'm like a 42 double d you know and they've always been large but after baby, somehow, you know, a lot of women, their boobs get smaller. But after my twins, my boobs got bigger. And, you know, the average cost of a bra is like $75. Like, that's a lot of money to cover those babies, you know? But I love a good bra, don't you? Well, what's the difference? <laughs> because I ne- we never talked about boobs in my house because I was surrounded by, you know, my brothers. And, and, um, and I didn't develop until I was, like, in my early 20s. And I think it was from all the swimming I did because um, I did swim from the time I was four until ah. college. But they didn't grow. And, um, and then mine, I only have one that worked when I had a baby. So it was really awful. I ended up wearing – and I still do. I wear sports bras because there's really not that much to hold up. And I can run around without one. Except when I was breastfeeding, I called it the uniboob because only one boob worked. The other boob crapped out. And then one of them swelled up. And I'm like, what do you do with one? (laughs) I used to call them rocket ship seven. You know, you wake up in the morning and you're so full of milk and they're like these rocket, hard rocket ships staring, you know, straight into space. It was hilarious. (laughs) I just had the escape pod. That's all I had. Well, I see that Missy, Missy's here with us. Let, let's bring her on and say hello, Missy. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. You know, this is a Sandra, you know, mentioned that she, when she came on that she had just finished your book, too. And Below Your Belt, How to Be Queen of Your Pelvic Region is an absolutely fantastic, just a fantastic book. It's not preachy. It's fun to read. It's, you know, broken up into little bits and pieces. So you can just kind of look for what you need and what you want on a particular day. It's great. But how did you come to write this? So it was based on a research study that we were doing. So at Women's Health Foundation, we try to do everything based in science. And we had a current study that was based in three high schools, middle schools in Chicago. Those girls were a little older than this book demographic. They were 14 to 17. And we started, of course, with their periods, because that's where they were. They were all having their periods. But there was this real lack of understanding of why they were having a period. Um, They'd basically been told that it was going to hurt, that they should stay out of school, they should avoid gym class, and stay away from the boys. Oh, wow. So, Yeah, that's pretty clear about what I was taught, yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah, exactly. I'm trying to remember it was so long ago. My, yeah. I just remember my mom locking us in the car and telling my sister, who was nine, and me, it's seven something. And I was in rapt attention, and my sister was horrified. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. So we, and then we knew that if they didn't know anything about their periods, they probably didn't know the rest of what's below the belt. So that's bowel health, bladder health, hygiene, 
And in fact, the study, which was just published, published October 2nd in the Journal of Pediatric and Adolescent Gynecology, showed that they didn't know anything about their bodies. And um, so we wanted to get below that. We wanted to go younger to girls who were, who were maybe just about to get their period. So hence the 10 to 14-year-old. Okay. See, and um, I think I, it's so great. Can I just say something? Well, you yeah. make one for me because you have this thing that you're like, now that you're a teen, and I'm like, you should write one like now that you're 40 because this would be so helpful. Yeah. Well, just we, Sandra, here's the thing. We know that we know that most women, a, a lot of women, I shouldn't say most, a lot of women don't know this either. And we have other books and other programs and things that are for them once they're symptomatic of conditions below the belt. But we really know that this book is probably going to be read to the little girl the first time, maybe by a mom or an aunt or a caregiver, male or female. And um, so we are kind of sneakily trying to get the message upstream. That's something we always try to do. So I would agree with you. I love that that you know, you share the proper words and, and nothing is taboo. Nothing is taboo. Sandra just, just mentioned in the back end here about learning a lot about poops, you know, the poop chart and, yeah. and what, what, you know, your feces should look like and urine and, you know, how do you know if you're not drinking enough and what should it look like and smell like and be like. And uh, those are really important things. I, I know my daughter often calls me and goes, Mom, it looks like this. What does that mean? You know, what should I do? Yeah, I will. Here's the thing, the last time you were talked to about pooping or peeing, you were three, right? And yeah. you're trying to get into the big girl panties and into the big girl room in preschool. And and that's it. And and so then you kind of take that little bit of knowledge that you may and probably don't remember forward into your adult life and you you know, you start doing things that are going to potentially land you in trouble as a big girl, you know, like hovering when you go to the bathroom or being chronically constipated. Oh, you're not supposed to hover. <laughs> uh, no, how comfortable is it when you hover? It's not well, comfortable. it's not comfortable, but I don't think it's comfortable to sit on nasty toilet seats like at a gas station or something. Yeah, so keep it neat, make a seat, make it make a nest if you have to. Okay. You always you want to sit down. If you think about that, Frank, you want to be ergonomically well suited to fully void, and that means you have to sit down. You have to let your pelvic floor relax. It is not relaxing, ladies, when you're hovering. So you okay. have to sit down. Good to know. Uh, yeah, I'm a hoverer. I don't like to sit You're down. You're a hoverer too? Yeah. yeah, except my own toilet. I'm like, every yeah. time I sit down, I'm like, oh, I know it's going to be there. And when I travel, like, I, I, I often of those... don't even do number two until I come home. <laughs> it's awful. Oh, I know. And you know what? We're all so, in, we're so repressed in our culture. It's like everybody poops, everybody pees. We have those books for our little girls. Okay, we sure. need to remind ourselves of big girls. Oh, Tara Gomez might... books. Those are so good. Everybody poops. Everyone poops or something yeah. like that. Right. Yeah. And okay, it's going to smell, it's going to make a noise, but it's better for your body to get it out all the way. That's why you need to sit down. Sit, sit, sit. Sit, sit, sit. You know, I'm interested, Joanna, I know you're with us. And Joanna, how are you? You're the youngest of us. And, and you, you know, you were raised in Britain. And so I'm wondering, you know, in your experience in school, how old were you when you got information about um, your period and, and, you know, the nether regions, let's say. I don't remember being told anything at school. I think it just sort of, I sort of picked things up from my older sister and then sort of when it actually happened, I think sort of like, you know, my mum explained a few things to me. I can't remember being told stuff in school, though. 
at all. I think I just sort of, because I had an older sister, I just knew it was going to happen at some point. And then my friends started to get their periods and we'd sort of talk together about it. And uh, do you remember how old you were when you got your period? Yes, I was 13, which was, um, I did have friends who were, you know, maybe even as much of a couple of years before me. So I think I was 13, sort of nearly 14, like 13 and a half. Wow. Yeah. Who was 30? <laughs> I don't believe it. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I got, I got a countdown in the window. And I thought they were 30 years old when they got their period. I'm like, what? Say what? We are going to be going to a break in just a moment. And we're going to come back with Missy Lounder. And we're going to come back with Joanna Forrest and talk more about women's health. We'll see you shortly. Stay tuned and stay close because you're not going to miss this. Getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. If you could live your life truly standing in a place of peace, joy, and abundance, wouldn't that make your heart soar? Now you can, with Lessons in Joyful Living, with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi, Mondays at noon central. Kimberly Rinaldi, having created a highly successful coaching practice, now teaches Lessons in Joyful Living. She believes in empowering others and that through it, you have the ability to break through any and all barriers, thus allowing you to reach your greatest potential and joyfully step into your life's purpose. What used to take weeks, months, or even years, she can now teach you in a matter of hours with her programs. For more on Kim and her show, go to her website, KimberlyRinaldi.com. That's R-I-N-A-L-D-I.com. Then join us for Lessons in Joyful Living with your host, Kimberly Rinaldi. Goals, objectives, business and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real-world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style, along with an innate ability to form connections with people, gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion. Every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, you will realize dreams and aspirations you thought we're out of reach. Okay, we're back and we're back with Missy Lavender, Sandra Beck and Joanna Forrest. And we are talking right now. We're talking about the mysteries and the myths of what goes on down below your belt. And we were talking off off air about. Um, you know, the age that people are getting their periods, the, the point the, that people are being told to stay away, that girls are being told to stay away from school because it hurts and they shouldn't probably shouldn't come. And yet the opposite is true because, you know, when you exercise and you have your period, it really helps your cramps, doesn't it? Exactly. That's mine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we know that from published research, and yet there are communities, especially the lower income girls, Hispanic and African American, who are not getting this information. And painful periods affect 87% of all adolescents. So it's a big deal. And if you're not told, 
Sorry, I was going to say, do they not get in, in, in trouble if they if they don't go to school for that particular reason? Because there's no way I would have been able to have missed school for that because they wouldn't have classed that as being ill, just like, you know, being in pain. They would have said, you absolutely have to come, I think. Oh, here they would have made well, you come to school. Yeah. Well, I'm in Canada. your mom's calling you in and saying she's sick. Oh. They wouldn't ask why. So I think it's a matter of whether they're excused or not excused. But what but, but the research is showing is that um, controlling for socioeconomic status, um, the white girls are, the Caucasian girls are missing school, 11% absentee rateism, 22% for African-American girls, and 33% for Hispanic girls. That's a, that's, that's a big absentee rate. It is a big absentee rate, and I guess education has a lot to do with that. Although, you know, when I, it's interesting because I don't know if the, if different uh, races feel pain differently, but you know, if you remember, I don't know, Sandra, when I was in the, you know, having my babies and I was in the labor room, there were some nationalities that screamed a lot more. <laughs> others you know i don't know did you notice that anybody i i did because i was in i was in los angeles during a heat wave and it was like 106 so all these women went into labor they didn't have enough room for all of us and it was very multinational and you know i was like in the german wing where we all were like you know but then there were like women screaming and crying and wailing especially a lot of the middle eastern and then there was this like poor asian chick in the bed next to me i don't think she made a sound and nobody noticed her and the baby just popped well, let me just say one more thing about, about this this issue with different with disparities because it's really a disparity issue. Mm-hmm. Um, the research shows that the the less education the girl gets about her period before she has it, the more she is apt to have a more painful period, and then the higher absentee rate. So it's really about getting into the health ed before these girls are having their periods. And that's what we tried to do with this book is to make it kind of pre-sex ed. So Mm -hmm. it's just general health below the belt. And and I did mention at the top of the show that you were going to tell folks who didn't know how to properly wipe themselves. Thank you for saying that. Yes. um, So... So wiping front to back is one of the things in our potty pledge that we teach girls of all ages, big girls too. Mm -hmm. Um, And why do you think that is? Why do you want to wipe front to back? Well, you don't want to bring anything from the rectum forward. Exactly. So yeah, E. coli, that's what you're going to mostly find and you don't want to bring that forward. UTIs, urinary tract infections are a big deal for women of all ages and stages Mm -hmm. and usually they they kind of perk up around sexual activity, but definitely yeast infections. Infections and UTIs can be exacerbated by wiping the wrong direction. It's a little ergonomically more difficult to do that, but that's what we want girls to be doing. Well, you're the queen of the of, of below your belt, and I used to be the condom queen. And one of the <laughs> one of the myths that you know when I went into high schools was, and this was you know quite a while ago, um, that you could use coke to douche and you wouldn't get pregnant. Oh my gosh. Have you yeah, ever that heard is of that? not true. Well, <laughs> I know that douching is a big deal, again, in, in other cultures in particular, again, bigger in the African-American community and the Hispanic mm-hmm. community. And we taught the girls, and this was, you know, as they said, what about this douching thing? So I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, first of all, remember, your vagina is a self-cleaning oven. It's not supposed to smell like a rose garden. It has its own smell, and and you know what that smells like. And when it's healthy, you will have things coming out of it that you'll notice in your underwear. That's completely normal. But again, they're taught mostly by their caregivers that, you know, and unfortunately sometimes their male boy partners mm-hmm. that, you know, they smell bad. And we try to bust that myth because it's a big deal. It's a big deal in those communities. 
And I know that you mentioned in the book about, you know, not using the sprays. You don't need to smell like a rose down there. Um, right. And it was very popular, I think, in the, like the 70s to have sprays. And, and I don't know if it's as popular today, but I remember my mother buying those sprays and going, oh, you should use this. You know, <laughs> like, right. no, FDS, it's a big business. business. Yeah. 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 Remember that? yeah. I, that just, I just yeah. had a memory of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're still they sold exist. and they're, they're more predominant in this, in the Southern states, actually. They're, the sales are greater and it's cause it's hotter and sweatier. And oh, okay. I lived in Louisville then maybe that was it. <laughs> Yeah, and up in the Northeast, we just like to stink. Yeah, well, it doesn't smell. It's it's, supposed, it's actually quite nice. I think it should be. Anyway, well, if, if you were, healthy. Well, I would say, I would say you're clean. Like some, I think sometimes of the month, and some of my friends. Not that you know we go around smelling right. each other, but some have stronger odors than others. And I don't know if it's because of your diet or what you eat. But I know for me, I exercise every day, and I I have one of those handheld shower things on the other. I have two heads in my shower, and I have one for your head and one for the other. Part. And when I'm like all nice and clean, like it's really great. But when you're not, it, it does get funky. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But and I think so to you water, water consumption wash. too, right? Yeah. I, I think what you want to do is just know that washing with water, with warm water and maybe a very mild soap, just on the outside of the labia, you don't need to be going in the vagina and scrubbing it out with a washcloth or soap. I mean, it's going to be shedding things as it needs to. I think that's really what we want girls to know, to be careful too. You basically kill the good flora if you do get too crazy with soaps. Yeah, I just use water, and then if it gets a little irritated, because sometimes after spin class, it's a little irritated down there, I just use coconut oil, because I think that, it, to me, it smells good, and it feels good, and it just, um, it doesn't stain my clothes. Oh, that's Coconut oil is great. Vitamin E, natural vitamin E, you can break open one of those little vitamin E capsules. That's a great vaginal, Ooh. just moisturizer. Oh, that's then good to know. you don't have to carry the big tub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, you should see me going to the gym. I have like, you know, I have like a backpack full of stuff, you know, just because it is the way I am. Can well, I I'm talk wondering... about, um, yeah, I just want to say one more thing about the, the gym because tight clothes and sweaty tight clothes are really not good for your, for your vagina, for your vulva, for all of that area, your urethra. You really want to, once you're done with working out as quickly as you can get out of those sweaty clothes, especially the under underwear, anything tight. Another thing. Yeah. What about those products, you know, for runners, those wick away, is that kind of material good or not good? Would you recommend sure. it? And should Absolutely. we have cotton underwear? Should we be using cotton underwear? Only? Cotton crotches for sure. Cotton crotches okay. for sure. And if you don't have a cotton Absolutely. crotch, can you stick, like I stick a mini pad there, like just something, because there's always that big seam going right up there too, because not every workout wear is conducive for underpants. Right. So there's thong panty liners, but here's the thing about um, panty liners is that they, they absorb moisture. So it's going to be keeping it close to your body. Um, I would say, you know, get a good pair of cotton thong underwear. Mm -hmm. Um, if you really want to have something, which I totally agree, I do too. Even when I bike, you know, with my chamois thing, I still wear my cotton thong underwear because I just don't like the concept, but try to just take it off as, you know, right when you're done working out. Good plan. So our producer asked a question about like these clean things like that, you know, and we're not, we're not bashing any product or service, but like a summer's Eve clean thing. Is that okay to use? Like, are those things good for your body or not so good for your body? 
Anyone? Misty. Misty? Bueller? Is she Did still we with us? Her? We might have lost her. Oh, no. Oh, I guess our producer gets the short end of the stick on that one. We'll have to get back to it. <laughs> well, I think that it's probably not a good thing. I mean, she already said that juices weren't good, and that's pretty much what they are. So, oh, she's calling back in? Great. Um, but, well, well, it's not douching, but it is wiping with a smelly thing. <laughs> <laughs> She said, no perfumes in that area. She said, mild soap and water. Who wasn't listening? I'm going to give a quiz at the end of this. Oh, God, I'm going to flunk. Okay, great. (laughs) Uh, Oh, it wasn't perfumey? Okay, that's okay. Joanna. Hi. Hi, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Good. Did you have have you had these kind of conversations with any of your friends? <laughs> not oh my god, here. no, not at all. I can seriously say I've never discussed <laughs> that that subject with my friends. You know what's really funny? That Joanna has a big fan. I think his name is Robert and he lives in what, New Zealand? And he was gonna wake up at one forty five in the morning to hear her on the show. <laughs> Hi, Robert. Isn't that amazing? Big shout out to Robert. I know. And everything he never wanted to know about our pelvic region. (laughs) He's going to be sorry he's a fan now. I was thinking Robert's an expert now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Joanna, Joanna, um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know how how we're going to look at this, but you were one of the the youngest uh, women to to actually get breast cancer you were 21 years old and you're you're in recovery or is it gone how what would you call it now um i'd like to say now that it's i would refer to myself as like completely clear gone it's in the past yeah nice and so how how did you get clear joanna um i had surgeries and i had treatment I had um, chemotherapy and radiotherapy, and luckily for me, because it was found um, early stages, um, I was lucky enough to be successfully treated. And did you find it, or did a doctor find it? Oh, I I found I I didn't know that I should be even looking for these things. Um, it totally wasn't something I was thinking about at all. Um, but I actually saw it. I saw a lump in the mirror and just oh, wow. thought, that's really strange. That I, was, I couldn't remember seeing it before, like the day before. I was like, where does that come from? Um, so I was touring at the time with um, a musical review called The Best of Broadway. But I thought of said to myself, when I get back to the UK, I will go to the GP and I will... Um, I will ask him about it. And I did. Me and my mum went to the GP. And initially he um, said that I was too young for it to be anything, you know, like breast cancer. And there's all sorts of reasons why you can have these breast lumps, which is absolutely true. Um, And it's what I wanted to hear. But I sort of thought, wow, this is something about this. Maybe I should should have an operation. Maybe I should have it removed. So me and my mum went back and um, I had um, like a really sort of simple operation to just get rid of the lump. But they like analysed these things as a matter of course. And it wasn't until I had my stitches out and they'd, they'd had a look at it that then... We were all so surprised that they actually said that it was breast cancer after all. So, oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, Joanna, that's you know, I want to. We're gonna we're gonna take a break in a minute, but I definitely want to come back and I want to talk about that. And I want to talk to Missy too about you know when we should go. At what age should we see our our gynecologist? And at what age should we start having breast exams? 
banged up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to The Living Room, a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Even though Halloween is my least favorite day of the year, it will be here soon. And having a strategy to not let it derail your healthy eating is a good idea. Weight Watcher says that there is really a trick to treats. You can stay on your healthy living plan, even though there is plenty of temptation around. They recommend to buy your candy late. Keep the temptation out of your house for as long as you can. Buy candy that you personally do not like. Have a plan for the leftover candy or the candy the kids bring home. Giving it away to your church or favorite charity is a good idea. But if you can't, then freeze it. It takes a while to eat a rock-solid piece of candy. Forgo the temptation to eat high-calorie, low-nutrition candy and stay on track. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear more fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. And we're back. And we were just, you know, hearing from Joanna about how she discovered uh, that she had breast cancer. She was very young. She looked in a mirror and she noticed something that wasn't there. And yeah. and that's pretty scary. And I was just, I wanted to ask Missy and, and hear this answer. How old should we be or how old should our daughters be when we first take them for that first exam, a pelvic exam, breast exam? So a, a pelvic exam is typically done when a girl is thinking about being sexually active or unless there's something going wrong or going on. Um, but she can talk, should be able to see her pediatrician for things up until that point. And the pediatrician should be doing at least a cursory look at her um, genitalia just to make sure everything looks good and doesn't look inflamed. And, but, you know, unless, unless there's an issue, sexual activity is usually the, the first time, time you see a gynae. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that could be, that could be 13. That could be 20. Right. In, or in 25. Between. Or 25. <laughs> Don't laugh at me. I'm not sober. laughing at you. You're so funny though. I can't help it. <laughs> I really, I just can't. You know what I want to do? I want to play, I want to play a song um, with Joanna singing because she has a voice of an angel and it's just so Hi. beautiful. Let, let's, <laughs> let's cue that up. And, and then I want to talk about Copperfield. Great. Oh, oh, oh. 
Wow, wow, yeah. wow is all I can say. You trained at the Italia Conti Academy of Theatre Arts. Is, yeah. is that in Italy? No, it's in London. It's in London. Okay. Because I was wondering if that was the same place that Paul Potts went to. I, and I know that he was on your show. Yes, that was so amazing. It was so fantastic singing with Paul Potts. That was a brilliant experience. Do all of you remember who he is? No, because I thought you said Paul Potts. <laughs> <laughs> I said Paul Potts. Paul oh, Potts sorry. Was, was on X Factor and he was this unassuming guy, you know, who, who looks dumpy frumpy comes up and has this amazingly gorgeous voice and starts singing opera and you know next thing you know he's like world famous it was amazing yeah he's fantastic absolutely brilliant and and you are an ambassador for the boobettes yes that's right and the boobettes do what copperfield um we are um a group of young women who have had breast cancer and um, we go to wherever there is young people um, like uh, schools or businesses, mother and baby groups, festivals. Um, Copperfield have uniboob teams as well, which are amazing. And share our story and encourage whoever we're speaking to to be um, checking themselves, getting to know what feels normal for them um, and that if they find anything different or if there's any changes that they find, that they will go to a doctor straight away without delay or hesitation. And that is like the Copperfield message. And they're such an awesome charity because there isn't anybody really sort of giving this message out there, which is, which is why Copperfield was born in the first place. The founders, twin sisters, Chris and Marin, care so much about everybody being breast aware because um, um, early diagnosis is the best form of defence. Um, they they set up the charity to make sure that the message is getting spread to younger people because they get missed out with this message. Um, well, and it can happen to anyone. I, I you know, Missy, I want to uh, pop in, Johanna. My mom died from breast cancer uh, mm. two years ago, three years ago now. And um, she had a lump like yours that popped up out of nowhere. And they said, well, you know, it looks okay. It looks this, it looks that. And her, the girl who did her, her uh, mammography, you know, her, the, I forget what they call it, like the radiologist or the, the, it was the technician. Yeah. And she had been doing this like, I don't know, 10 years. And she was a young girl, maybe in her thirties. And she said to my mom, you know, gee, I really would have that checked out because I'm from a small town and everybody knows each other. And she's like, you know, I would have that checked out. And the doctor's like, no, no, I think it's OK. We'll just watch it. And she called my mom. She's like, you know, I have a bad feeling. I look at these all the time. And she goes, I know I'm not a doctor, but I really would have this checked out. And of course, you know, it turned out to be stage four um, when they found it. But because they found it so early, you know, this it was just a little spot. It was like, I don't know, two millimeters or a millimeter. It was real tiny. Um, but it had already metastasized through her system. And, you know, had that girl not had the wherewithal to say, you know, come on, really get this checked out. I want to encourage everybody, even if people say it looks okay, get a second opinion. It's your life. I Absolutely. totally agree with that. Just to just to not be afraid, like, you know, if you're reassured by your GP to not say, you know, actually, I would really, I would like a referral. I really would. I just want to, you know, double check that that you know that everything is okay i just it's just so important because that could save your life right we're not talking about rigging a wrong turn we're talking about giving your body time to fight this and and 
breast cancer does tend to run in families, unfortunately. Um, and I'm wondering if there's anything that in the in the pelvic region runs in families. Is there, Missy? Does does ovarian cancer run in families or? Well, definitely BRCA1, too. That's a genetic issue. But even things like whether you're going to have a, an easy delivery, um, genetic factors are definitely one of the big deals. So you should, you should know if your mom or, or grandmother, you know, did they have an easy time having it a baby? Was it more difficult? How big were you? It's going to make a big difference. Babies are probably not going to be that much smaller than you. We're all getting bigger. But I, I just wanted to echo something and just say thank you for bringing up this point about um, asking for a second opinion because doctors, unfortunately, the primary care doctors have so little time with women these days, um, and they're not asking about these routine things. We consider routine things about bladder health and bowel health, and so women feel like they're not important, even if they're really chronic and debilitating to their life or their lifestyle or their sexual health. So I really, really want women to keep asking until they're satisfied about everything. Good point. Yeah, because we will fight for our kids. Like, you know, I had a thyroid tumor when I was 13, and, you know, I had to be treated and everything like that. And, and you know, my mom was just like a rabid dog in that hospital. Like, all my memories of her at that time were like, you know, did you check it out? Did you check it twice? Did you? <laughs> you know, but we'll fight for our children, but we won't always fight for our own health. And what about That's you, Joanna? Did you, um, was your mom like very supportive? Was she right there? Did, was it something that she knew about? Does, does breast cancer run in your family? No, it doesn't. Um, and when we do our boobet talks, we're kind of, you know, taught that I think it's something like only 10% are genetic, actually. But I don't oh, really. Know, I, yeah, I did ask why I. I got it. They just couldn't say. There's so many grey areas. I have no idea what external factors led me to get to get breast cancer. But um, no, I think it was something that my mum didn't really know about. She was definitely so supportive and amazing. Um, and I think because I was so young, um, I was lucky enough that you know I had like parents with me at all my appointments and that type mm-hmm. of thing. And I don't know whether when you're you know when you're slightly older. Um, perhaps you've even got your own family. You don't sort of have that luxury, I suppose. Um, but it was something we all had to learn about, and we all didn't know anything about it. Go ahead, Sandra. She has a question. Oh, okay, Johanna. Yeah, I didn't want to put you on the spot because uh, I come from a family riddled with cancer, and my brother um, also had cancer, and he did not choose to have his uh, sperm frozen before his chemotherapy. They It was new technology then. This was like 20 years ago, and he's alive and he's fine. Did you choose to have your eggs frozen before chemo? No, they, that wasn't really sort of discussed with me massively, anything like that at all. It was very sort of briefly mentioned to me um, when I was sort of already at the clinic where I was going to be having my chemotherapy anyway. And one of the nurses just sort of, you know, incidentally asked, had anyone talked to me about it? And was it something that I would be interested in? But at that time, I had so much going on with so many um you know, treatments and hospital stuff. It it just felt like another another thing to to another think invasion. About. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think at twenty one, maybe I didn't really sort of think about. Uh, it, it sort of wasn't wasn't up there with any sort of importance or anything. I just remember thinking, oh no, that's another thing that the 
they're throwing at me. So um, yeah, you're 21. You can you can drink. You can do stuff now. <laughs> you weren't thinking about getting getting settled down with a bunch of babies. You had to get rid of your your breast cancer and all the other things because you yeah, have that, that, a, a brilliant career ahead of you. Yeah, that was my priority. I think at that time, I was like, "Oh no, I just want to get all this treatment out of the way, and you know, make sure everything's okay." Um, so yeah, it was. I think now, um, probably they there is a lot more um, talking to to girls before they have chemotherapy about these things. But in in my situation, it was really just briefly briefly mentioned and that was just by one of the nurses and a bit, my, little bit too little too late too you're you're already, oh, sorry, it's already there yeah you're yeah. already there having treatment oh by the way yeah. did, did well, you and, have babies <laughs> you oh know? and johanna um both my kids were made in a jar so don't worry about it you can spin them out in a little jar and make them <laughs> <laughs> and they're clones of her they look so much like you sandra it's unbelievable oh. they are <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is just so great. And, I, I, you know, I encourage all of you uh, on this call to jump in and ask questions if you have any. And I, I just want to say that, you know, it, it's not just women, although we are talking about women today. My nephew was 21 when he died of testicular cancer, and it's something that hits young men. Um, and it was devastating. And we really hoped and thought that he would make it through, but he didn't, unfortunately. So knowledge is power. It really is. Knowledge is power. And it's important that, um, you know, you go out and you get a book like Below Your Belt by, by Missy Lavender because it's, it might just save your life. And, you know, stay tuned, stay close because we have some great conversation coming back at you in just a few seconds. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, she'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Now that the children are back in school, a new dilemma arises. What do you feed them for afternoon snacks? This truly is a quandary, but one that can be solved with a little planning. The key is to have healthy snacks that taste good on hand at your house. Don't buy food that you don't want your kids to eat. Forego buying store-made cookies and chips since you don't want your children to eat those. Instead, have fresh fruit and delicious cheeses with multi-green crackers waiting for them when they get home from school. Grapes, yogurt, whole wheat bagels, and low-fat string cheese are delicious and nutritious. It's protein and fiber-rich snacks that help everyone feel satisfied and full until dinner. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com.
it's World Toilet Day. Don't forget to to check that out and see if you can't help bring a toilet to a neighborhood somewhere that really needs uh, sanitation for sure. It's it's unfortunate. Uh, we've been talking with Joanna about about her breast cancer and her recovery, and you heard her beautiful singing. What? How old were you the first time you hit a stage? Um, I was. 11 and I was very lucky because it was how lucky is this it was a West End stage um which was really lucky it was Bernadette the musical and um sadly that's now really sort of famous for being a massive flop it's sort of gone down in theatre history but that's quite cool now that I was part of that so I went to um Italia Conti instead of um I was lucky enough to go there as a stage school rather than a normal secondary school. And we had opportunities there with the agency to be to do professional work as well as our school work. So that was really lucky. Wow. And did you know that you that you could sing? Like, were you like two or three years old? You go, oh, I can sing. Actually, no, I wanted to be I went I went to study there because I really wanted to be an actress and um, as part of the audition process, you had to sing like two contrasting songs. And I didn't know whether I could sing or not, really. Um, I, I really enjoyed singing. I used to sing around the house all the time, and I used to like love it, but I didn't know whether I was any good. And then when I started having the singing lessons, then I suddenly thought, oh, no, I like this even more. It's like my favourite thing. Well, tell, tell us about Copperfield and, and who... You, who was on that concert that you put together? Um, so, so, um, so being a boobette for Copperville was like awesome. And I thought, oh, what else can I do um, to help them? And I thought, oh, why don't I do this concert and hopefully raise loads of money for them? And so um, we got some really cool people who agreed to sing, which was amazing. And I think when they when they were approached and they heard about the charity or they even knew about the charity, they just all thought, yeah, this is such an amazing charity. I really want to give my time and, and to sing. Um, it was at um, a West End theatre called the Palace Theatre, uh, which is a beautiful theatre. And we had an orchestra and it was sponsored, how lucky is this, by England's biggest newspaper which is the sun newspaper i I Um, do know the sun we have the sun in canada yeah yeah so that was really incredibly lucky and they actually the sun went into partnership with copperfield um and they had a really controversial campaign that every tuesday um until recently they had a a, like like a page three girl who'd be in her underwear right Um, yeah she would be checking herself for breast cancer, for Copperfield, oh, with the wow. signs and symptoms. And um, Copperfield's founder, Chris Hallinger, um, has still got um, a column where um, she reminds somebody every, every Tuesday to be checking themselves. And the campaign has really, really worked. Um, women have come forward and written to the Sun and to Copperfield and said, oh, because of that campaign, um, I went to my doctor and it's absolutely saved my life because it's called to early stages. Because I think it's something like 7 million people read the Sun here. Yeah. So it, it gave such a small charity. That's massive, amazing. That really yeah. is an amazing thing to do. I just love, I can't get over the name Copperfield. I just think that is it's so cool. It? 
Misty, is, if, if we had cool. one for the, for the pelvic region, what would we call it? We should come up with a name you for know, Misty. Well, below the belt and below your belt are, are ways to be pithy and funny, but also relevant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's great. Because we don't want I, it to be sexualized. We don't want it to be, you know, people to dismiss it because it's a, we, we always say we're, we compliment everyone and we compete with no one. And so right. there's nothing controversial or partisan about pelvic health, things below the belt. It's just when you get to sex where people get weird and, you know. They do. To- I, but, you know, I, I have to encourage the conversation. And obviously you encourage the conversation with, with your book. But if we don't talk about it and, you know, Joanna doesn't get out and talk about how she discovered breast cancer. I mean, so many women don't even want to look at their bodies. They avoid that mirror like the plague. And, and so they dress and they don't look at themselves and, and, you know, just go about their day because they don't, you know, we have so much body shame, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. And, and there's a global study done by Kotex that shows that women around the world have no idea how many openings they even have down there. So, you know, let's just start with a mirror. Let's, that I was agree. so interesting when I read that in the book that they were surprised that they had three openings. Well, I will tell you, like, and you know, not to be politically incorrect, but my um, housekeeper nanny brought her sisters up from South America, and they all thought uh, you could get pregnant from oral sex. And you know, I thought I was doing my translation wrong. You know, they were speaking in Spanish, and I'm like, "What? What are you really? Do you really think that?" And and that was the extent of their knowledge. And none of them had had ever looked down there because I was pregnant and having a baby, and you know, started talking about it, and it was it was shocking to me. How how little they knew about their own bodies. Well, this is this is because they don't talk. Like, you know, what you're coming from a Catholic country, you know, you don't. You're encouraged not to talk about sex. Nobody mentions the word sex, and just you know, they run in fear of it, and they're they're not encouraged to look at their bodies. You know, you're encouraged to cover up, aren't you? You know, otherwise you're the other kind of girl, and it's right. unfortunate that that we you know. May, I come from a family. We talk about everything at our dinner table, which is fantastic. My poor dad, you know, he had all, all of us sitting around a table talking about vaginas. But, you know, God bless him. He, he got in that conversation and he let us talk about anything and everything. And I think that's really important that we're open. And, you know, hopefully the, the women of today, today's the millennial generation, is a little bit more open. And um, things are right up in front of your face all the time. Do you find that, Joanna? Like, yeah. Yeah. Did like your friends are, are, you know, you can talk about this stuff now. I think, I think sort of, um, magazines and things are sort of full of stuff. And, and I think that, um, that it's, it's sort of okay to talk about these things, isn't it now? I think. Yeah. But being sexy is different from being healthy, you know, have sexual health. And, and I think women, they think, oh, my boobs are sexy and, and this is sexy. But may, do they actually talk about, you know, what's going on in their bodies? Do they know what's going on in their bodies? Missy? Uh, and I don't think so. I mean, there's a, what we found with the girls in our study and what we find when we talk to girls all over the country is that they had these little veneers of truth from something they either may have been told by a teacher or their mom or one of their friends. And unfortunately, they put it together with their friend's veneer of truth and they act on it like it's a whole truth. And some of it's really scary. It is scary. And that's why, you know, I said we're going to come and talk about the myths that that like like you mentioned, Sandra, about you know, oral sex causing you to be pregnant. 
like I said about Coca-Cola, you know, uh, being able to kill kill sperm so that you don't get pregnant. We um, we had a big epi- that. We had a big um, up up um, tick in unprotected anal sex in Chicago in the public school system. And that takes your breath away because the girls thought they, well, first of all, they weren't going to be virgins, they, they thought. Um, mm-hmm. They couldn't get HIV pregnant or STIs, all of which, of course, is not true. Right. So that took all of us by surprise. We actually produced our first teen fact sheet on anal sex, followed right by douching, because it was such a big deal and nobody had literature for it. Wow. You know, this, know. Is, this is unbelievable. I remember my, my kids, like, are almost 30 now. But when my son was in grade six, my, like, I have twins and I've got a bunch of kids, but my, my twins were in grade six and my daughter came running out to, and she said, my, um, they call it the rainbow. She goes, Alex got a rainbow. And I go, what is that? And that was the girls going, multiple girls going down on him, performing oral sex with lipstick, you know, giving you this rainbow effect. And I thought grade six, like what the heck is going on? That's horrifying. It's horrifying. Yeah. I mean, they seem to be getting younger and younger and younger. Yeah, one of the other, my other favorite studies is talking about self-esteem in girls, um, which we know self-esteem is correlated to the start of sexual experiences. But mm-hmm. one thing that really concerned me is a study that was showing overweight girls um, tended to have, engage in more risky sexual behaviors and then younger um, riskier sexual behaviors. And, and so to me, that's, that's a big concern as the mother of a 14 year old daughter. Yes. Yeah. Is that because weight is associated with self-esteem issues? And so that's what it's implying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in order to be, um, loved or accepted, they're going to quote unquote put out and exactly thinking that this is, you know, going to bring them the love that they desire. Oh, wow. They don't feel good about themselves. And so, you know, we, we say it's, it's easy to give something away you don't value. Yes. And that's what we saw with the girls in our studies. They were so excited about their bodies when they got done because they knew more than 99.9% of all the women in America, we told them. Missy, tell people how to get in touch with you. And then, Joanne, I'm sure. going to ask you the same thing. We're almost at the end of our show. Go ahead, please. Sure. We have two sites, womenshealthfoundation.org or just like the book, belowyourbelt.org. Excellent. Joanna, how can people get in touch with you? You can go to my website, which is joannaforest.com. And I'm on Twitter, at joannaforest. And uh, you can like my Facebook page, which is joannaforest. We will like your Facebook page. Yay! Because you're absolutely so likable. Yay! <laughs> Isn't she? Adorable. I just love it. And where are you singing next? Oh, um, I've got some carol concerts coming up because it's... Christmas soon, which is exciting. Um, and they are for um, another really lovely charity, the Missing People Charity. Um, so I'm excited to do them. And I'm actually singing at, um, a charity ball um, for Balls to Cancer, which is a testicular um, cancer charity, an awareness charity. So That's sweet. I think that's just so amazing. I thank you so much for being my guest today. I am so glad I found you on Twitter. And Missy Lavender, thank you for coming and and giving us the the facts. You gave us the facts. In fact, you for having me. Needed for Below the Belt. And Sandra, thank you for being my co host today. You make every day brighter. And I just love having you. I love having you here. Oh, thank you. 
So remember, folks, this um, Below Your Belt, How to Be Queen of Your Pelvic Region is a book by Missy Lavender. And Joanna Forrest is our soprano who is just so lovely and sings so beautifully that uh, you're probably going to want to go out and buy her Christmas CD. I'm sure you'll have one. Right. Uh, well, I do have an EP that's coming out, but it might, I don't think it's going to be in time for Christmas. But 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 um, but have a look at um, at my website for details because that'd be amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. And Robert, hopefully you enjoyed our show. You got up in the middle of the night to listen to it. Thank you. You're Robert. a very good that's fan, Joanna. Thank you. <laughs> so wherever you are, ever you are in the world today, thank you so much for tuning in to us. And we will definitely be back next week. Globalgoals.org number three your health. Thank you so much. And we are going to be out of here in just one second. And I'm so thrilled that all of you were able to join us today. So much fun. Thank Thank you. you. It was really fun. Thank you so much. Turn the world